Just a warning, this episode of Offstage the Podcast features spoilers for both the 1982 off-Broadway production of Little Shop and the 1986 movie version of Little Shop of Horrors. You have been warned. Hello, and welcome to Offstage the Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things musical theater. My name is Ben Hoover, and I love musical theater. Today we'll be visiting one of my favorite shows of all time, the 1982 classic horror comedy Little Shop of Horrors, with music by Alan Menken and lyrics and book by Howard Ashman. You probably know this pair for their partnership with Disney, specifically The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and Aladdin. However, today's musical is not fun for the whole family. No, today's show involves sadistic dentists, bloodthirsty plants, and everyone's desire to move somewhere that's green. Let's get into it. Little Shop has one of the greatest openings of all time. The audience is greeted by a booming voice warning them of a threat to humanity's very existence. This threat surfaces, as such threats often do, in the seemingly most innocent and unlikely of places. This monologue, when done well, reminds the audience of the horror movies of old, setting the stage for what is probably the best opening in a musical. A trio of street urchins, Crystal, Ronette, and Chiffon, sing the upbeat, Little shop, little shop of horrors, bop choo bop, little shop of terrors. This song is a fantastic representation of what Little Shop does best. It's a fun, upbeat song about destruction and terror. So even though the urchins warn you, tell your mama something's gonna get her, all you can do is bop along and smile through. We now transition to the streets of Skid Row, the imaginary run-down city neighborhood where we meet our three main characters. Mr. Mushnick, who owns and operates Skid Row Florists, Audrey, the young woman who works at the flower shop, and Seymour, the down-on-his-luck, clumsy guy who also works at the flower shop and is hopelessly in love with Audrey. Together with the urchins and a few street bums, they sing the downtrodden, yet hopeful, Skid Row, all of them wishing to find a way out into a better life. Maybe, just maybe, they'll find a way out of the slums and to somewhere that's green. We then move to the flower shop, where in one last push to try and get customers in the door, Seymour places his brand new breed of plant, the Audrey II, very subtle Seymour, in the store window, where it immediately attracts the attention of a passerby, and all of them realized they may have just found a way to increase business. Audrey leaves the store with her new boyfriend, a leather-toting, motorcycle-riding dentist with a propensity for domestic violence. Mr. Mushnick and Seymour are both hopeful that the Audrey 2 will be a big success for the store, but not all is well with the plant that looks like a hybrid between a frog and a Venus flytrap. Now, despite trying every type of plant food and every type of fertilizer, the Audrey 2, much like the Audrey 1, is not a very healthy girl, as Mr. Mushnick puts it. Seymour is then left to his own devices to try and figure out how to help the ailing plant, in what is probably one of the most famous quote-unquote I want songs in musical theater, Seymour sings Grow For Me, a lovely laundry list of ways that Seymour has slaved over the plant. Then, in an act of God, or more likely an act of destruction, Seymour cuts his finger on a rose thorn, and the Audrey too perks up. And Seymour, in a true act of desperation, feeds the plant a few drops of blood. And with one last Grow For Me... Audrey too grows, having finally found sufficient nutrition in human blood. This is the basic premise of Little Shop. What do you do when your one and only chance to a better life, the only way to a life with a person you love, feeds on human blood and is getting bigger and bigger 
and hungrier and hungrier. This is the predicament Seymour finds himself in. The Andre II is his ticket out of Skid Row and into fame and fortune. Andre II grows and quickly attracts the attention of local news stations, and furthermore, the attention of the customers the store desperately needs. You can probably see where this is going. Soon, the drips of blood aren't enough for the rapidly growing plant. Near the end of Act 1, we finally see the introduction of the true character of Audrey II, who opens up its lips and lets out a deep voice. Feed me! Seymour and the plant then have a back and forth in a great duet called Feed Me, Get It, in which the plant convinces Seymour to kill Audrey's boyfriend, Orrin Scrabello, the aforementioned dentist from hell, who, by the way, has a killer song about his profession simply entitled Dentist. It's one of the funniest songs in the show, full of hilarious songs. Seymour feeds his plant, much to the glee of Audrey too, who eats the chopped up remains of the dentist quite quickly. This isn't without its consequences. Audrey too gets hungrier and hungrier, but also grows bigger and bigger. Mr. Mushnick is happy to have the success of the plant, but also a little bit worried to see Seymour's success take the plant away as this new breed of plant life starts to become national news. Mr. Mushnick, out of desperation, asks Seymour to let him adopt him through a delightfully Jewish celebration of a song called Mushnick and Son. All seems up and up for Seymour, and furthermore, he and Audrey finally confess their feelings for each other in a song that is one of the most powerful love duets ever written, Suddenly Seymour. It is beautiful. However, this is where it all goes downhill for Seymour. Upon seeing Seymour and Audrey kissing in the alley, Mr. Mushnick becomes suspicious and rightly accuses Seymour of killing the dentist. Seymour hears the voice of Audrey too, who is ready for supper time. Seymour tricks Mr. Mushnick into getting close to the plant, and then feeds his newfound father to his plant. In the following days, as Seymour starts to get attention from TV executives and publications like Life magazine, he feels guilty about killing Mushnick and refuses to feed Audrey too anymore. Then, while Seymour is out of the shop, Audrey comes looking for him, having taken a Somonex. Audrey too then reveals itself to the Audrey One, and convinces her to give it just a drink of water before bringing his massive plant jaws down on her. Seymour rushes back in and rescues Audrey from the jaws of the plant, but the now mortally wounded Audrey says that she wants Seymour to feed her to the plant so that she'll always be with him and she can help him become successful. He does as she asks, and Audrey too receives another meal. After a solemn moment, the urchins come into the shop and tell Seymour about a distributor looking for him. The man tells Seymour that he wants to take clippings of the plant and sell them around the world, making them both a fortune, bigger than hula hoops. Seymour suddenly realizes the true intentions of Audrey too. Not just one hungry plant, but world conquest. In a final struggle against the plant, Seymour tries everything from rat poison to a pistol, but nothing works in destroying the ever-hungry Audrey too. Seymour takes up a machete and declares that the only way to destroy the plant is from the inside out. Audrey too swallows our poor protagonist, and we witness the end of Seymour Krellborn. The final number of the show, the final Ultimo, sees the urchins taking clippings of the new plant before telling the audience how the Audrey Twos took over the world, destroying New York, Peoria, Des Moines, but most importantly, 
the theater the audience is currently in. And one final number, the characters return, this time with their own plant sprouts, and warn the audience one final time to ignore what they ask of you, and no matter what, don't feed the plants. It is a chilling and fitting conclusion to what is an absolutely incredible show. After the break, we'll come back and we'll talk about what really makes Little Shop one of the greatest pieces of musical theater ever written. This episode of Offstage is brought to you by the old Chinese man who sometimes sells you strange and exotic cuttings for $1.95. Mencken and Ashman are a legendary musical theater duo. Their work with Disney is exemplary, however, Little Shop, which is an earlier work of theirs, is probably my favorite of their pieces. Mencken's music is catchy and will have you grinning ear to ear even though you're witnessing the end of humanity. Ashman's lyrics are brilliant, and each song has memorable lines to boot, from the dentist's evaluation of potential professions, your temperament's wrong for the priesthood, and teaching would suit you still less. Son, be a dentist. You'll be a success. To the warning of the final Ultimo, they may offer you fortune and fame, all of the money and instant acclaim, but whatever they offer you, don't feed the plants. Huh. Absolutely wonderful work on both Ashman and Mencken's part in creating this incredible show. However, a musical is only as good as the actors in it. I have listened to many versions of Little Shop over the years, but this week I listened to the 2003 Broadway cast, with Hunter Forrester as Seymour, Carrie Butler as Audrey, and Leon Michael Woolley as Audrey too. This version of the show is a bit cartoony compared to the original off-Broadway cast, but I think it fits really well. Also, you get a couple extra songs that aren't in the original cast recording, and I'll take as much of the music by Mencken as I can get. Forrester and Wooly are great as Seymour and Audrey too, and while I'm not a huge fan of Carrie Butler, I think she does a fantastic interpretation of Audrey, which is reminiscent of Ellen Green's original portrayal, but not a direct ripoff, which can be really hard to do when reprising such an iconic role as Audrey. However, probably the hardest character to pull off in the show is the dentist. He is surly and crass, but you can't help but like him. Furthermore, in most productions of Little Shop, the actor who plays the dentist also has to play every other character that isn't Seymour, Mushnik, the Audreys, or the Urchins. This means the actor plays the original customer who notices the strange and unusual little plant in the windowsill to the marketing agents and television producers, to Mrs. Luce, the wife of the editor of Life magazine. It takes a lot of acting chops, but when done well, this part is almost entrancing to watch, especially during the number The Meek Shall Inherit, where the actor has at most 30 seconds to make quick changes and be back on stage in a completely different character. It's quite incredible to see done on stage, and when listening to the cast recording, it's difficult to tell when the parts are sung by the same actor. It's really wonderful to listen to. Now, before I get too far off track, I have to mention the song Somewhere That's Green. If Grow For Me is Seymour's I Want song, then Somewhere That's Green is Audrey's. In it, she tells the urchins about how she wants a simple life with a simple guy in a little house somewhere that's green. I used to not like this song, I'll admit it, but I think that's because I used to really not like Audrey as a character. But as time goes on, I really enjoyed the song, and every time I come back to it, it just gets better and better. It's a really sweet song that really endears Audrey to the audience, because this musical at its essence is about people who just want to love and be loved back. Audrey wants Seymour to love her for her, not for her looks, but for who she is. Seymour wants Audrey to love him, but thinks the only way to her heart is to be successful. 
both spend the first act wishing to be with the other, and it's almost a little frustrating seeing Seymour try to be someone he's not to get Audrey, and see Audrey outright reject the idea that Seymour would like her, because she doesn't think that she deserves a guy like Seymour. That's why one of the best songs in the show is near the culmination of Act 2, when they sing Suddenly Seymour. In it, both of them find their love as Audrey realizes that Seymour has always been there for her, and they finally confess their love for each other. It is a beautiful tear-jerk of a number that is a musical classic. One of my favorite things in a musical is a small character change that makes all the difference, and it's so small that you might not even notice it on the first time through. In Suddenly Seymour, Audrey drops the rather meek, nasally voice she's been singing with for the show up until that point, and comes out with this beautiful, belting voice as she sheds the Audrey of the past and comes into her own. It's absolutely breathtaking. There are a few songs in the show that I think get overlooked. When you think of Little Shop, you probably immediately think of Suddenly Seymour, Feed Me, or the opening Little Shop of Horrors. However, some of Mencken and Ashman's best work is in the songs that aren't as popular. I particularly love You Never Know and Mushnik and Son. But I also love Mr. Mushnik as a character, and those are two of his big numbers, so I might be a little biased. There's also a couple songs where the characters sing at speeds that rival Sondheim. If you haven't listened to Little Shop, I'm talking about these songs, Closed for Renovation and Call Back in the Morning. Both are really fun songs where we get both the fun and jumpy music from Mencken and the clever lyrical talents from Ashman. So if you haven't listened to Little Shop in a while, definitely go back and give those ones a listen. One of the most interesting things about Little Shop isn't the plot or the songs, but the history behind the musical. The musical Little Shop of Horrors is actually based on a 1960 black comedy of the same name. Probably the best thing about the 1960 version of Little Shop is a guest appearance by a young Jack Nicholson, who plays the part of a masochist at the dentist shop. This part was cut from the musical but remains a highlight of the original. Mencken and Ashman created the musical adaptation in 1982, and then in 1986, it was adapted again into a movie version of the musical, directed by Frank Oz, starring Rick Moranis as Seymour, Ellen Green reprising her role from the original off-Broadway cast as Audrey, and Steve Martin as The Dentist. This means that Little Shop is one of the few shows that started out as a movie, was turned into a musical, and then was turned back into a movie. And speaking of the 1986 version, there's actually a little bit of controversy surrounding the original release of the film. Originally, the movie ended like the musical, with Seymour and Audrey both being eaten by the plant, and Audrey II's taking over the planet. However, test audiences didn't like the ending and thought it was too depressing, so they actually changed the ending and made it so Seymour defeats Audrey too using a loose wire to electrocute him, and then he carries Audrey off to their little house somewhere that's green. It's cute, but I definitely prefer the ending as intended. So if you get a chance to watch the 1986 version, which is a really good adaptation and definitely one of the best musical movie adaptations ever made, be sure to get the director's cut, because it is pretty awesome to see the plants actually destroying New York. Huh, so cool. Another fun fact about the 1986 version is they actually used a giant puppet when filming the movie. 
but because it was so massive, they had to film it at half speed. So Rick Moranis had to film the scenes where he sings with the plant at half the usual speed. In the end, it looks fantastic, and you would never guess that they had to speed up any of the scenes. So if you haven't seen or listened to any version of Little Shop, definitely go back and watch the 1986 version. It's a fantastic version of the musical that keeps its super fun nature and its dark tones. Just be sure to see the ending as it was meant to be seen. However, this doesn't mean you shouldn't get a chance to watch the stage version of the musical. I was in the show in May of 2018. I wasn't Seymour or Audrey II or even Mr. Mushnick. No, I had the incredible opportunity of working as the Audrey II puppeteer. It's quite the experience. I've never had to rehearse for a show using five pound weights in each arm. Now, the puppet my theater rented was actually the puppet used in the Broadway and traveling shows, so I got to have the same experience as the actual professionals who do the show. Now, my favorite of the three pods that I work with was probably the one known as pod number three, or the pod used for Get It. It was pretty much this chair in a big foam pot that I sat crisscross in until it was time for the vines, which were attached to my feet, to come out. The large puppet head came down over my chest, and I kept my hands up above my head to pilot the mouth. However, my favorite part was that the chair had a seat belt and a buckle that went around my waist. So when I went to do large motions, such as when Audrey 2 sings, The kind of sticky licky sweets I crave, I wouldn't go flying out of the chair and onto the floor. Now, the pot also sat behind the curtain for most of Act 1, which meant I was stuck there, listening to the show inside the pod, every night for 45 minutes before the puppet was actually used. And I still love the show, even after doing that every night for two weeks, which is truly a testament to how great the music and the characters are in Little Shop of Horrors. If you're interested in seeing the puppet that we used, check out Monkey Boy Productions on YouTube. They have a cool YouTube series where they show you how the puppet works and everything. It's super neat. That's going to do it for this week on Offstage. If you liked what you heard, please let me know. You can find me on Twitter at Hoover double underscore Ben because Hoover underscore Ben was already taken, on Instagram at Hoover.Ben, and on TikTok at BenHoover246. I'll see you next week for more shows and songs on Offstage the Podcast. And remember, don't feed the plants. <laughs>